This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. In our second segment today, we plan to talk to Dr. Bob Fitrakis, attorney, author, and radio host, who also, not coincidentally, happens to be running for the governorship in the state of Ohio. Dr. Fitrakis has written several books and numerous newspaper columns on the irregularities and outright fraud that were rife during the last few elections in the state of Ohio. As you will no doubt recall, in 2004, the entire presidential election hinged on the state of Ohio. We think you need to read Tim Dickinson's article uh, in the National Affairs section from Rolling Stone, August 24th. It was titled, The Battle for Ohio, and talks about Kenneth Blackwell, the partisan Secretary of State in Ohio, who served the same role in the 2004 election that Katherine Harris did in election 2000. Blackwell was running the Bush for President campaign in Ohio, while he was simultaneously acting as the guy who is in official capacity counted the votes in the state of Ohio. This is a state where in some instances 5,000 Bush votes were recorded in precincts that actually had 670 voters. That particular count, of course, was later corrected. There are others that people have grave doubts about. Anyway, I'm sure Bob Fitrakis is going to have some interesting things to say. In election 2000, he was all over the web with his analysis of how the Bush team uh, was up to no good. And uh, we're looking very forward to talking with him in segment two. Let's begin the program as we like to do with On This Date in History, which is September 28th. September 28, 1542, in the first known European encounter with what would later be known as California, Portuguese navigator João Rodrigues Cabrillo sails into San Diego Bay on behalf of Spain. The Spanish were fond of using Portuguese navigators because they were the world's best. Think Ferdinand Magellan. On September 28th in 1810, in Mexico, independence fighters under parish priest Miguel Hidalgo y Costilla sacked the Spanish city of Guanajuato and massacred the upper-class Spaniards and Creoles found there. As a result, when the Criollos and, Esp and Spanish uh, later regained control, uh, they wound up putting Miguel Hidalgo's head on a pike. Yes, when it comes to power politics in Mexico, they play rough. And they play dirty. And that still goes on to this day. Witness what happened with the election this year. But at least Obrador's head is going to remain on his shoulders. And on this date in 1989, corrupt Filipino tyrant Ferdinand Marcos died in exile in Hawaii three years after being driven from power by a popular uprising led by Corazon Aquino. Corazon Aquino's husband, Benino Aquino, of course, had been previously assassinated by the Marcos regime while he was disembarking from his aircraft after returning from a long exile in the U.S. Marcos had apparently learned a thing or two while being, uh, you know, uh, the U.S.'s favorite uh, Southeast Asian tyrant. And uh, apparently the film, the footage being shot of, of Aquino as he was disembarking the plane, doggone it, she seems to be missing the portion where he gets shot. Sometime in the 1990s, uh, then-Vice President George Herbert Walker Bush referred to Marcos as the Abraham Lincoln of the Philippines. 
course, try as we might, we can't think of a single instance of Abe Lincoln assassinating his political opponents, but uh, uh, research goes on. As far as we're concerned, uh, Ferdinand Marcos more resembles John Wilkes Booth. Our stat of the day, and today we have two. The first comes from the Harper's Index. Of course, Harper's Magazine every month lists some fascinating statistics. We were uh, entranced by this one, which is number of AK-47s that have gone missing after being sent by the Pentagon to Iraq last summer. The number would be 26,000. We would imagine that a few of those are probably wound up in the hands of insurgents. We have no answer to the question of why it is we're sending a Russian-built, considered the world standard, automatic weapon. Uh, but it is Russian-made. Why are we sending that to Iraq? We have no clue. We can speculate that despite spending gazillions of dollars on our own defense contractors, they've still not been able to come up to a weapon which is superior to the simple but rugged Russian design. Statistic number two, according to the Associated Press, the savings rate last year, savings rate of Americans, fell to its lowest level since the depth of the Depression in 1933. The 2005 savings rate came in at negative 0.5%, meaning that Americans spent all of their disposable income and then dipped into their savings to spend more money. Although we think rather more likely that they're dipping into their uh, credit cards and uh, home equity loans, etc., to go negative on their expense account. Our uh, joke of the day comes from the Sacramento Bee article by Mehul Srivastava, Bee staff writer, titled Finding the Racial Joke Comfort Zone. This arose out of Governor Schwarzenegger's joking remark about uh, Bonnie Garcia, a, uh, a Republican legislator of Puerto Rican extraction, which, uh, which <laughs> prompted Schwarzenegger to note that she was, she was of a very hot temperament due to her mix of black and Latino blood, which one finds in Puerto Ricans and Cubans. Curiously, this article contains some guidelines, such as an inappropriate remark, all blacks make great athletes, or Jews are cheap, is insensitive, but is not severe enough to be a violation of the law. The N-word, however, is obviously and severely racist, and a single incident is grounds for action. We're going to have to run that one past uh, Nancy, our labor law consultant for this program. But anyway, the, ramp up, <laughs> the long ramp up here was for the joke that Chris Rock offered, which was, Every town is the same two malls, the one white people go to and the one white people used to go to. Our quip of the day comes from the immortal Oscar Wilde, who once said, Bigamy is having one wife too many. Monogamy is the same. And yes, it works equally well for husband. Our quote of the day comes from former Radio Parallax uh, guest and illustrious sci-fi author Ray Bradbury, who commented recently that our future is wonderful. We hope that Ray is right about that. We must say that we are seeing some encouraging signs lately. Because the world is, is full of encouraging signs of a bright future, just that sometimes it's hard to see that when you focus in on political news. But uh, Keep Media, I noticed, sent me a series of articles pertaining to this week, uh, looking ahead to the upcoming November election, all of which are interesting headlines. For example, headline, Leaked Intelligent Report Rocks Bush Election Stance. 
U.S. spy agencies dropped a political bombshell six weeks before national election with a leak of a classified report concluding that the war in Iraq has spawned a new wave of Islamic radicalism and increased the global threat of terrorism. Which, of course, is absolutely true. Headline, how did you vote during the war, daddy? According to the article in Reason, the war in Iraq is increasingly unpopular. A May ABC News Washington Post poll found 62% of Americans saying it wasn't worth fighting. And headline from Newsweek, elections, Shays' sudden shift. Congressional Republican Christopher Shays has long been an ardent backer of the war in Iraq, but after returning last week from his 14th trip to the country, the congressman reported that little progress has been made and called for a fixed timeline for the withdrawal of the U.S. We've also noticed that the mainstream media has perked up and noticed that the issue of electronic vote counting is, uh, is a dodgy one, and people are concerned about it, and they want to see what they can do to stop it. Brad Friedman on his website said he th- he's glad that, uh, that, the, that the mainstream media has now noticed, but uh, fears that it may be too late to take action. In the next five weeks, as we get closer to Election Day, we will return to that topic. Let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, point of clarification on last week's Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. We were skeptical about that story about passengers on an Air France flight suing the airline after Bonnie Tyler performed Total Eclipse of the Heart in an impromptu concert on board the aircraft. But apparently that story holds water. According to reports cited in the Washington Post, a group of disgruntled travelers believed to be Belgian first lodged a complaint claiming they were traumatized by the experience, and then they initiated a lawsuit. So I guess that one's true. But the story we reported also on last week's program about Wayne Passell proposing that uh, dogs should now be referred to as canine Americans. Well, apparently he said it, but he meant it only as a joke. Last week was apparently a good week in the worldwide war on terror, comma, European front, when Dutch police arrested a 63-year-old priest for phoning in a fake bomb threat to a Madonna concert. The priest was apparently angry about a sequence in the show during which the singer reenacts the crucifixion of Christ. The priest was tracked down easily because he called from his home phone. Radio Parallax Investigation has been unable to turn up any connection between this incident and Madonna's previous faith-based initiative to the nuclear industry wherein she proposed cleaning up nuclear waste by washing it in magical Kabbalah fluid. Last week was judged a bad week for riding shotgun after Willie Nelson's tour bus was stopped by the Louisiana police and a cloud of marijuana smoke allegedly wafted out of the door. Willie Nelson and four others were issued misdemeanor citations for possession of marijuana. This item had been sent to us by Ryan Todd, whose California police state is heard on KDVS every Friday between the hours of 6 and 8 p.m. Ryan ably filled in for Todd Urich on last week's hometown atrocities and is going to follow, I think, uh, the story of that treated ballast water, uh, that bill uh, to treat uh, the the ballast water dumped in California for us. Uh, Ryan, of course, is an attorney 
for the Department of Fish and Game. Anyway, Ryan, if you're listening, we, we do hope you give us a hand with that one. We want to see uh, we want to see why uh, why the jurisdiction of that didn't didn't fall to the Department of Fish and Game. And finally, last week was evidently an ugly week for thinking outside the box when it was revealed that the Bogota, Colombia's chief prosecutor had hired a psychic who had hypnotized his staff and even performed an exorcism over a voodoo doll in exchange for a government paycheck and use of an armored car. The ensuing scandal has mesmerized the nation of Colombia. Speaking in his own defense, the psychic Armando Marti said workers confessed to deep secrets and ratted out colleagues as they stared into his eyes. The operation, according to leaked documents published by the newspaper Semana, was codenamed Mission Perseus of Zeus. All right, that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, some follow-up on last week's program. We, we mentioned this church in, in Southern California, the All Saints Episcopal Church, located in Pasadena, which is now under IRS scrutiny after a former rector, the Reverend George Rigas, uh, delivered a, um, a sermon which uh, said, among other things, that it suspected that uh, Jesus uh, might have told uh, George W. Bush that his pre- preemptive war strategy in Iraq has led to disaster. A year later, the IRS handed the church a summons saying that there is some doubt that you may be a church. Let's contrast this with some other recent articles we've noted uh, relating to the separation of church and state. According to the Associated Press, last February, nearly a quarter of the grants handed out in the Bush administration's $15 billion program to fight AIDS in Africa have gone to Christian religious groups that oppose teaching people the use of condoms. A quarter of $15 billion is almost $4 billion going to groups telling people not to use condoms as they try to fight AIDS in Africa. These are religious-based organizations being given your, your tax dollars. Another article in the Washington Post noted that millions of dollars in taxpayer funds have flowed to groups that support President Bush's agendas on abortions and other controversial social issues. Under the auspices of its faith-based initiatives and other federal programs, the administration has funneled at least $157 million to organizations run by political and ideological allies. If you're keeping track of the amount of uh, taxpayer dollars going to faith-based charities that are not Christian or Jewish, the total to date would be zero dollars. Meanwhile, Ralph Reed, the former guru of the Christian coalition, ran for lieutenant governor in Georgia. He lost. But clearly, Ralph Reed personifies an example of religious dollars being used for political purposes. Jerry Falwell, Pat Robertson run organizations that are allowed to keep all of their money tax-free. They're not supposed to engage in politicking. That's how the law is supposed to work in this country. Let's talk a little bit about Legacy, a group started by two Dallas businessmen, Ray Washburn, a real estate and Tex-Mex restaurant baron, and George C.A. III, founder of C.A. Stewardship and Investment Company. To quote from Time Magazine, the least known but one of the most eagerly courted screening committees for the next GOP presidential nominee 
met recently in, in Colorado Springs, Colorado. The four-day meeting of affluent evangelicals was billed as a summer family retreat. The political group called Legacy aims for mystique. It has received no media attention and is unknown even on the web. Yet all the marquee 08 Republican candidates have spoken to Legacy or met with its founders, having come to regard the group as a prime audience in these early days of raising money. Organizers declined to be interviewed by Time, saying they want to continue working below the radar. We're going to keep an eye on this group, Legacy, and we're going to try and follow what goes on with the All Saints Episcopal Church in Southern California. It is just insane that the government can go after a church for having some sort of sermon they dislike. Meanwhile, it seems that uh, the evangelicals operate half of the Republican Party grassroots operations in this country. Unbelievable. And speaking of uh, unbelievable, how about Pervez Musharraf, president of Pakistan, holding a press conference with George Bush last week and declining to answer questions about a, a supposed threat from Richard Armitage that they would bomb Pakistan in the Stone Age if they didn't cooperate in the wake of two th uh, September 11th. Well, when asked about this, Musharraf, Musharraf told the press corps that he really couldn't answer that question because he had a solemn agreement with his book publisher to hold off until the book hits the stands. Reporters uh, at the scene noted that they thought they'd heard every, uh, every dodge of a question until uh, Pervez Musharraf invented a new one. After he made the statement, George Bush went to bat for him and said, in other words, buy the book. Let's take a break and come back and talk to Dr. Bob Fitrakis about what's going on in the state of Ohio, uh, which is still going to be the major, I think, state in electoral politics in this nation for maybe many years to come. Listening to Radio Parallax, I'm Douglas Everett. Yeah. 